Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be together. Um, you know, I know that uh, the welcome has already happened. Again, we have uh, our, our friends, family from San Francisco, which is great. But I feel I would be remiss uh, if I didn't take just at least a minute to talk about uh, the neighbors. And that's literally their name, the neighbors, Dan and Lori. You know, uh, when I'm like, oh, come meet the neighbors, you're going to think I'm talking about the person that lives next to me. No, I'm talking about them. You know, Dan is an elder in the church there. They have, they have served for years. And uh, I always thought, man, Dan is a, a young guy to be appointed as an elder. But uh, he was. he was. It was eight, nine years ago, I think, that that happened. I mean, I was a uh, a much younger Christian at that point, and but these two people, I love them so much. So if you can please, in in I mean, they're here to see Mackenzie, you know. But if you just take some time to get to know them, uh, you will not walk away feeling unloved. I, I, I mean, you will feel so loved by them because they're amazing. Uh, when when Mackenzie told me they were coming, I like literally kind of teared up, and I was like, "Oh man, I didn't realize I missed them that much." But that's how much I love these guys. Come on. Okay, so please take an opportunity to get to know them. They'll be here all week. They'll be here next Sunday. So I've already roped Dan into doing communion next Sunday. Get right. Lord to share some. Ask him uh, about his time in the Navy. Maybe a story about a Scud missile flying towards a ship or something like that. That's that's a that's a God faith story right there. Right. If you want to increase your faith, have him tell you that story. Um, but take some time to get to know them. Amen. Amen. So, what I hope to do this morning is uh, really take a look at just two of the first days of Jesus' ministry, right? And I want to make sure that we we're gonna we're just gonna hone in on Jesus. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna focus up. And, and just talk about Jesus this morning. If you've got a Bible, please turn over to John 1. Now you go, well, don't we talk about Jesus every morning? I'm like, well, we do. We, we talk about God. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about what it is to be holy and repentance. And, and I always try to tie it back into Jesus. But what I hope to do, maybe this Sunday, and maybe the next several Sundays, is to bring us to Jesus and talk about the character of Jesus Christ. Right? And, and Jesus is such a great subject, but it's impossible to cover Him in a day. It's impossible. I will preach the rest of my life about Jesus, and I will still have only scratched the surface of the exceptional God-man that He is and was. Right? I, I will. He was a man who was God. Thank you. Uh, so, but you think about it. There are. We're going to talk about the character of Jesus, but there are the ideas of Jesus, right? The principles that he enumerated in his sermons and illustrated in his parables. And though we've spent the last three months talking about the parables, we've barely scratched the surface of those, right? And we didn't even cover all of them. In three months' time, we didn't cover them all. We, 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 there's, we could preach a month, probably, on every parable and dig into it more and more and more. But that's the depth of Jesus Christ, 
right? You talk, you think about the, the doctrines, the teachings of Jesus, the things He taught about God and about the soul, things He teaches about life, death, duty, destiny. Uh, this is too spacious a field to try to cover in, in a week, in a month, in a year, in just that. The doctrines, the divinity of Jesus. We could talk about the person of Christ and meditate on His relationship between the Father and the Holy Spirit. We could dwell for years on the immeasurable mystery of the qualities of Jesus. You know, these divine qualities. And many people have spent, that's been their life's endeavor. So we're going to turn our backs on all of that for a few weeks that we can turn our attentions to the character of Jesus. And by character, I mean the sum of the qualities by which Jesus is distinguished from other men. His character is the sum total of His moral traits, the features of His mind, heart, and soul. We're to think about the qualities such as strength, sincerity, enthusiasm, generosity, humility, courage, and patience. Well, maybe we'll hit those. Maybe we'll talk about some others. I, and and if, if one of you brothers out there feels like, I want to talk about this part of Jesus, come talk to me. I'd be willing to let somebody preach, you know. Uh, I'd be happy to hear uh, another voice talk about the character they love most about Jesus. But in, in one sense, these studies will be so elementary. They're going to be, as I said, the surface of a well that goes hundreds and hundreds of feet deep. Right? We're going to discuss the ABCs of Christian learning. And it's going to be a logical beginning of the meaning of, I guess, Christian religion. Because if, of Christianity. Because it really is all about Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, turn over to John 1. In John 1, verse 29, we're going to start just right here. One of the very first days of Jesus' ministry. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he has come he was before me. I'm going to pause there. In the Old King James Version, it uses the term, Behold the Lamb of God. Anybody ever remember reading that? You know, if you've read the Old King James Version, it's a little fun, you know, gets you used to reading some Shakespeare sort of a language. Um, but, behold. That's such a rich word compared to, Look! Right? I mean, when you're like, look over there, it, it doesn't it doesn't give the same grasp the gravity to be like, behold, the Lamb of God. I mean, it's it's something to be not just glance at, but to be dwelt upon, to behold is. Such an idea. You know, when we look at this idea of who is Jesus, and looking at His character, and looking at the things He's said and done, 
it is, it's right before we even listen to some of the ideas of Jesus, we've got to know something about who Jesus is. Because the significance of what a man says depends largely on what kind of man he is. You could have two people say the exact same thing, but a man of integrity, it means so much more. Right? And so we, before we look at these teachings, while amazing as they are, if we understand who they come from, the gravity of them impacts us that much more. Amen? To better appreciate the ideas of Jesus, let's first become acquainted with the quality and character of Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, there can be an opinion of Christianity as though it's something that's kind of up in the air. Uh, that it's a vague, kind of a nebulous mystery. Now, and, and not necessarily saying in here, but out in the world. It's a vague moral teaching. That it's, it's one of those things, we've had so much rain, they're like, they're beautiful, they're good. It's about as beautiful as, as the mountains and clear as the mountains during a mist or rainstorm. You know they're there, you can kind of see them but you can't see the vastness of their beauty. Right? And so the idea is let's take some time and look closely. You know, I hope we can call attention to a few definite clear-cut things. Facts. Jesus was a man that lived on earth. No historian refutes that Jesus lived at this point. Right? He lived his life upon the earth and his life manifested certain traits. And our goal is to study them and dealing with the character and handling some of the concrete things and, that are understandable and easy, hopefully easy, for us to grasp. So I ask you to just come with me uh, as we look at this man. Amen? In John 1, verse 35, let's behold him. And, and I want to set the scene for this just a little bit, alright? So put your like imagination cap on with me for a second. He is walking by uh, the Jordan, right? And he's, he's down, so imagine kind of a, a stony walkway. There's a river nearby. And, and John the Baptist is there. and he's, John the Baptist has his disciples around him. And there have been people, flocks of people, just coming to John the Baptist to be baptized. And so, in walks Jesus. And at this point, he's not begun his ministry. There's not a crowd following him. There's not a lot of people. He doesn't have a disciple yet at this point. And Jesus walks by on this shore. And we pick up where he's already said, Behold him. He's, he said, Look at this guy. He's baptized Jesus. And... He has seen the Spirit of God descend upon him. He knows who he is at this point. And so there's some, there's some like energy and excitement when he sees him again. So in verse 35, we pick up here. And we're going to read on. We're going to read a good passage here. 35 through 50. Verse 35 says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look! The Lamb of God. When the two disciples uh, heard Him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? 
They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went, and he saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. And it was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah. This is the Christ. He brought him to Jesus, looked at him and said, You are Simon of of John, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I have told you I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than that. Now, I would be excited if Jesus like, you're going you're gonna to see greater things than that. When we look at this passage, this is point one. Come and you will see. The title of point one is Come and You Will See. You know, John the Baptist is there and he's saying, Behold the Lamb of God. He's, he has been out spending his life John the Baptist, his role was to prepare the way of the Lord. And he's, he's going out, he's saying, come, come, and, come and, and be ready, come and get prepared. He's coming, he's coming. And now, all of a sudden, he says, behold, right? Look. And what do they see? They see a man. They see a man. At first glance, and yet, they start to follow Him, right? And even some of His own disciples, they start going after Him. And, and what do they do? They go, they're, they're following Him. He goes, what do you want? And His response is, their response is, what, where are you going? Where, where are you staying? He said, well, come and you will see. And, and they spent the day with Jesus. What did they see in Jesus? They saw enough that they were convinced that Andrew left and found Simon and brought him back. And don't you think that he said, hey, come and see. We found the Messiah. I look at this idea of come and you will see. You even look at how Jesus the next day goes out and he runs into Philip. And Philip gets to see Jesus, spend a little time with Jesus. He sees Jesus, and then what does he do? He runs back to find Nathanael. And says, Nathanael, come 
I found the Messiah. We, we found him. And the guy's like, from Nazareth? What? And his response is, come and you will see. He's just, come and see. And it, was, it didn't take long. The man became convinced of who he was. Just, just some time with Jesus. And it seems so simple to me, but I wonder what was it about his, his demeanor, his character, that just... Because it says that, you know, he wasn't... The Bible tells us there was nothing like worldly to draw us to him. In the sense, so I don't get the expectation. You know, scientists told us that tall people generally do better in society. If you're taller, you, you generally make a little more money or you get promoted a little easier. Different things happen if you're taller. And so, he wasn't tall. That just means you're less like Jesus, bro. No. Oh, sorry. Ryan's up here giving Larry a hard time. So, you know, it's just, I just needed to level the playing field there. But, you know, the, uh, we look at it though, there was nothing to draw people to Him in that way. But I wonder if it's the character of Jesus, the Spirit within Him that, that people saw being drawn to Christ. And these people being convinced because they've spent some time with Jesus that this is who He is. They've gotten to know His character. And then what they do is they go and they get their brothers, they get their friends, their family, and they say, come, come with me and see Him. Right? Because Jesus is the one that that changes people's hearts, that changes people's minds. But the truth is, this is not always how it's done anymore. Christianity in the course of its development has taken on many forms and gathered up into itself many things that are non-essential. The result has become tens of thousands of people who are confused, not knowing what to think or do when it comes to Jesus. No longer able to see Jesus through the mist and the obstructions, whether they be Christians or churches or culture or societies. You know, many have been offended by a quote-unquote Christian because they've attempted to see God through the Christian. Going through a door of this person to try to get to God. And some have come to the religion of Jesus, and I use the word religion of Jesus, through a professing Christian who is inconsistent or hypocritical. And simply one such disastrous experience is sufficient to keep a person away from Christ their entire life. When they're brought to the Christian and not to the Christ. Which is why we must be brought to Jesus. First ourselves and then others to Him. You know, sometimes it's not the individual Christian, but it's a local church or a body of people that offend. It may be that a church is dead or that its leaders are corrupt or that the preacher is just ignorant or just bad. I'm working on that one. So, but preaching without the Spirit of God or the outlook of Christ, the church that, that lives a life of hate or disdain comes across more than the, the character of Jesus and love 
A church that brings their church rather than Jesus. That turns people off. There are many who are not Christians today because it was particularly unfortunate to come at a critical time in their life to a church which was not seeing Jesus even among themselves. How can they lead Him to Jesus? You know, I certainly pray that we should never be a church like this. And I am not saying that we are. Okay? I'm saying, should we ever even seem to be heading that way? We've got to each fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. Right? You know, I pray we devote ourselves to knowing Christ and Jesus crucified, that those are the most important things. I love the family we have in this church. Not just this church, but abroad. That's why I cried when the neighbors were, I heard they're coming. Because I love them. They are my family. But they are not my Jesus. We can't worship the family of God or the church of God. We've got to worship God and the Son of God. Amen? And it not be about any church. And that's why I say let's focus for a time on the character of Christ. And the character of Jesus. You know, a person may be cynical because of a Christian. They may be skeptical because of a church. But a person may find that they are neither skeptical nor cynical after they've really studied the character of Jesus. It's hard to hate on a man when you really know him as perfect. Let's present Jesus in our church. And what that does for me is it removes... I don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to make sure that what you're presenting is Jesus. Now, we strive for perfection to be like Christ, yes, but we are, our goal should be to present Jesus. If we feel like my life is less than, then Jesus. He's not. Amen? You know, For all that, to be a Christian is not to be like other professing Christians. It's not to accept some specific doctrinal teaching or be a part of some special church. To be a Christian is to see Jesus, to admire Him so sincerely and so fervently that your whole life as a person chooses to follow, love, and aspire to be like Him. That's what it is to be a Christian. So let's come to Jesus together for a time whether this be your first time or your hundredth time or your thousandth time, let's come and see Jesus together. Amen. Amen. Well, point two is why come to Jesus? Why? We can all go, it's a good idea. Yes, let's come to Jesus. But if we don't firmly establish the why we do things, it's easy to kind of stray off, right? You know, many of us have studied Jesus before, but I'd say the time is ripe for a restudy of the character of the king whose kingdom would change the world. We live in a distracted and distracting time. 
Our world cries out for something, but doesn't know what it is. Wealth has come. We live in the wealthiest nation ever. And yet, hearts still cry out in hunger. The world is filled with inventions of human skill and genius, but there's vast emptiness which neither science nor art is able to fill. And I'd argue that one of the greatest characteristics of man for all time, but especially in the 21st century, is discontentment. Despite how many people tell me I'm good when I share my faith with them, or I'm all set, I, I know that's not true. I know it's not. You know, there are some who are discontented. Some of us are discontented with ourselves. We're restless, unsatisfied, and bewildered. We carry with us a consciousness of failure. Anybody else in this room ever feel that way? Just put it out there. I'm not good enough. The feeling of falling short that we ought, ought to be something different. That life, in spite of effort, is meager and disappointing. The wealthiest society of all time cries out, I don't have enough. You know, it may be wise to then make some intentional effort to turn our hearts and minds to a different pursuit. To turn to a pursuit of Jesus. Because these are some of the things that Jesus says. Come unto me and I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. I will give you living water. My peace I give you. You shall receive power. You shall rejoice. Love each other as I have loved you. Food, water, light, rest, peace, strength, joy, love. Are these not the basic things that make life worth living? If this man promises to give us these things that our souls most desire, is it not worthwhile to spend some time and study out his methods? To study out and find out if he can really pull through on his promises? I think if you really look, you'll find that he's right. There are those who are not discontented with ourselves as much that we are just distraught by the state of our world. The world is out of joint. And it seems that there is no one wise enough or strong enough to set it right. The governments of the world are broken. They're corrupt. Churches are broken all around the world. Many are dying of thirst spiritually. You know, it's said that We now live in a post-Christian world. Did you know that? That that supposedly our nation especially, we're a post-Christian nation. The family unit in our country is broken. Many are more connected to the devices than to their families. Right? Society is superficial and tainted. We're more about Snapchat and filtered photos than true relationships that connect us to one another. 
And I'm not saying Snapchat's evil. That's not what I'm saying. All right. But what I am saying is, I walk around on campus, and I see, I, I just had this thought this week. I walked around, and I see all of these students sitting around, sitting next to each other on their phones, and so few are actually talking to each other. We're more connected and disconnected at the same time as ever. And people are feeling that loss. The economic system in our... It's broken, alright? It's, it's cursed. I, I think... I'm talking about not just ours, the world. The, even just money. Guys, we, we put so much faith in something that's, that's broken. Right? There's so much instability. There's just the, the wait for the next drop. You know, in the stock market kind of a thing. But I think we, we know these things are broken. It seems as if the whole framework of the world is crying out for a need to be con- reconstructed. It needs to change. But who is equal to this Herculean task, right? Those who claim to have the antidotes, to scream that they have the answers shouting that they have the cure for the illness so confidently, saying from every news outlet, both sides, not saying any sides, right? No party, no nation, no person alive has the power to bring the cure for what ails our world. Except one. Except one. You know, when we truly come to see Jesus, we see a revolutionary. I don't know if you've ever thought of him that way. He's a revolutionary that turns the world upside down on its head. But his weapons aren't like the weapons of our world. Right? His weapons are of the heart. This toppler of empires, this molder of nations, his plan is not to burn it all down, right? It's to focus on the heart of each individual, one at a time. If you look at Jesus' plan, he reconstructs the soul of an individual. That's what he does. He takes the person, he gives them a new spirit. He changes their heart, their character, their mind of one, infuses them with a new spirit, sends him after another, who in time goes after a third, and that third goes after a fourth. And thus, Christians together, we wield a chain, and by the means of that, we pull the idols off their plinths. You know, we've seen more of statues being taken down recently, right? But we look at the idols of our world. What are they? See, together, individual links, we build a chain that topples the idols of this world. So why come to Jesus? Because it's through the character of Jesus, the love, the generosity, the compassion, the kindness, the strength, the desire, the perseverance to get out there and keep going when others will stop to endure 
hardship and even sometimes disgrace for the sake of what's good. These are the things that Jesus did. Isn't that what he did on the cross? And so when we look at his character, this man brought low the Roman Empire. His teachings would, would lead just a handful of people to change the world. We'll find contentment in Jesus. Whether it be for the person, or whether it be for the world, we're going to find change there. Why come to Jesus? Because in Jesus we truly find life and life to the full. And because it's by being like Jesus in character and in heart that we change the world. So I say this. Let's behold the Lamb of God together. Amen? Let's behold the Lamb of God. Let's come and see Him. But not only to see Him, let's know Jesus so that we can present Jesus, not ourselves. Let's not present our church. Let's present Jesus. I encourage you to go and find Jesus this week. Don't just come to church expecting to get it. Go and find Him on your own. Spend some time with Him. Come and see Him in His Word. And spend some time with Him in prayer. And see if He doesn't change you and enable you to change the world. It's the heart and the character of Jesus. That's how we're going to make this happen. Amen.